When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. We've only got a couple of these left as we're reaching the end of the Raiders season, but I'm really excited about this week's Behind Enemy Lines podcast, as this week's guest is a good friend of mine and former podcast co-host. Please welcome Mr. Jose Luis Sanchez from All 49ers, Sports Illustrated site that covers all things 49ers. Jose, how you doing, man? Well, you got the full name in there too, and everything. That's how you know it's legit. That's how you know we were former. <laughs> it was exactly. former house and everything. We're on, we're on a middle name basis here. Just a little, just yeah. a smidge. You, you, you forgot to add the uh, the suffix. I'm the third too. The third. Ooh, I did, I did, I dropped that part. But yeah, for those of you guys that don't know, Jose and I used to host Raiders podcast. I guess three years ago now, something like that. Three seasons ago, I think 2019. From like from like 2018 to 2019, pretty much. Something like that. From it like was the AB season, if that to, to, to <laughs> ring a bell. That was fame, it, so. it was pretty much the final Oakland seasons, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Well, awesome, man. Well, here, obviously, here to talk about the Niners now, and I want to get started talking about the quarterback which has been a hot topic in San Francisco, seeing as three guys have been taking snaps this year. <laughs> so what can you tell us about Mr. Relevant Brock Purdy? Yeah, that guy is a, uh, he's sweet. Um, he's look, anytime you're down your third string quarterback, it's pretty much the season's over. And I said that immediately when he came in, even though he looked, he looked pretty good against the dolphins, but, Look, how many times do backup quarterbacks, whether second or third string, have like a good like emergency relief moment against teams? It, it, it's kind of it's kind of almost common. So it's like, all right, they didn't prepare for you. Um, the, the, your team, you know, I, I just kind of written him off. I pretty much written him off immediately. And then he comes out the next game against the Bucks in his first start and just carves them up. It was ridiculous to see, like just, just to see how much better he was. And then from there, I was a believer, but I wanted to wait one more time which was a short week primetime in Seattle for the division online pressure is different in that game than against the bucks or coming in relief against Miami. And he just showed out while he was injured, he showed out and let him two touchdown drives. And right now the Niners are averaging more points with Brock Purdy than they did with Jimmy Garoppolo at all this season. I think with Garoppolo, they were averaging 23 points per game. And then with Purdy now they're pretty much averaging 30. So he's pretty much a touchdown swing guy that utilizes the offense you know, he sees the field differently than Garoppolo. He actually sees everything because Garoppolo's vision was atrocious. He doesn't have a good arm, but the thing is, he's not afraid to sling it. He's poised. He's mobile. He can, he can, he, he's not afraid of the p- pressure. Unlike, you know, your guys' quarterback over there. He's afraid. <laughs> he'll stare it down. He'll escape it. He uses every, it's, it's crazy because this is not the guy who I saw in training camp from the several practices I went to. And it's like, who is this guy? He's he, literally, like you said, he, from relevant to Mr. Uh, from irrelevant to Mr. Relevant. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm kind of curious about what type of player he's been. I think you answered it a little bit because the what Brock Purdy I remember is the guy at Iowa State who would go out and just have these monster games and then just fall off the cliff and just almost like like look like a completely different player because he was just such a a guy that refused to take the check down and a guy that wanted to make the big play all the time. So I'm curious if that's kind of still been his role or has he kind of shifted into a little bit more of that game manager role? Uh, you know what? Actually, your assessment is perfect because, look, I, not like I studied Brock Purdy. I didn't, wasn't even sure the Niners were going to take a quarterback, but, you know, when it's the last pick of the draft, why not? So the, your that assessment of your thought is actually 
fairly spot on. He's still looking for the big play, which is what Shanahan wants because the big plays are always there in the system. They're always wide open. There's like at every Jimmy Garoppolo game, you can point out at least three to eight plays where someone's wide open 10 yards down the field. He doesn't look their way. He doesn't take the shots, whether he's scared or whether he just he keys in on his receivers too early, which he, he does. I know that's one of the reasons why he doesn't do that. But with Purdy now, he's he's keying in on him early. And he, he actually knows what he's seeing out there. He knows what he's well, how the play is going to develop. And he hits the guy that Shanahan wants down the field. And that's why that explosive rates are so much through the roof. Now, I think I saw a stat that his big time throw percentage is only a little bit higher than Garoppolo's, which is just, you know, proof that Shanahan's scheming him up. Which is, that's that's pretty much what Kyle's needed. He's needed a quarterback who can throw, so, who can utilize the offense to the fullest and find the receiver that he schemed up, which has to be like mind boggling to him now. But yeah, that's that's definitely him. Um, another thing is, I think I think what's crazy is that he's fearless. It's just the poise against the pressure. Like even if he does fall off and starts to crack, starts to make more mistakes than he is now, which it's, it's not really much right now. But if he does. That as one thing I think that's going to carry over no matter what is just his mobility against the pass rush his poise. He's not going to be, he's not going to crack. You know, I just don't think he's going to crack. It's, it's crazy. Cause he's already, he's already been in games where pressure has been in his face multiple times in a game. And he's just looks at it. Just like, all right, whatever. He's sidearming throws. He's running, he's scrambling for big throws. He finds someone open. It's, it's crazy. Some of the things he's doing, it's like, man, it's like a mix of Jimmy and like the off schedule plays and that you really wanted to see from Trey Lance had he been healthy, but man, he's, he's really made me eat crow. Cause I doubted him from the start. But after those three games, it's like, all right, <laughs> I'm a believer. The Niners can go far with this guy and they're legit Super Bowl contenders now. Yeah, you know, it's funny when you were saying that it's kind of it makes sense too. like, right, that's why there's this big push for Trey Lance and big push for Trey Lance to start because Shanahan's been wanting that guy that will push the ball down the field. And even if Purdy doesn't have the arm strength, he's going to at least go for it. Sometimes maybe too much, at, yeah. least in, <laughs> at least in the guy in the past. So I'm curious, is that kind of from what I'm gathering from what you're saying, that's kind of the biggest difference between Purdy and Jimmy G is he's a little bit more of that risk taker and is pushing the ball down the field? Oh, a thousand percent. It's, it's that and the fact that he doesn't crumble in the pocket. Like Garoppolo, because if, if the play's not there at first for the wide open receiver across the middle for those under 10 yards from the line of scrimmage, then he's most likely not going to do anything else. Which, you know, Garoppolo was playing at a pretty high level this year. Um, it wasn't anything special, but, you know, he was able to, he was he was daring to throw more down the field, more than I'm accustomed to. Um, he was more accurate. He didn't have a lot of low moments where he would just miss players. And he, he was careful with the ball. He's not turning it over. And that's another thing that, Purdy's not doing is he's not turning it over or he is doing, he's not turning it over, which is crazy to see. So he's doing that. He's pretty much carrying over what Garoppolo did with the note, with the lack of turnovers, but he's adding on that mobility, the shots downfield and just knows how to handle the pressure. It's just crazy. The dude's just like, the dude's mentally strong. And you think you would never see that from a guy who was pretty much was a borderline undrafted free agent. So moving on to the offensive weapons, I know Debo Samuel is expected to be back before the playoffs. So is there a chance that he'll play this week? Do you know? No, no, I don't, I don't think he's going to come back. I'd, I'd bet that's being a Vegas guy. It's, I'd bet fat money. He's not going to play that game. Mm-hmm. And the Niners would be stupid to do that because it's, you know, if they lose against the Raiders then right. who cares that that loss doesn't count. The real lot the real win that counts the game that counts is the Cardinals game for number two seating. So no, don't, don't risk him in a game. That's not necessary. On a side note, is there a chance they can get the one or is it just the two? Uh, there's a little chance they can get the one, but the Eagles would have to win. lose. No, actually, no. I think once the Eagles won, no, no, it's over now because the Eagles had to lose out. No, no, you're right. The Eagles lost. I'm tripping. Yeah, there is <laughs> still a chance if, if the, the Eagles, Eagles lose, continue, the next two. lose next two, which, you know, Minshew played pretty well. 
they, they're going to win at least one game. I, I yeah. think they'll be fine. No, it's the number two seed this week. Yeah, and they have Saints this week. Saints stink. So, no, th- there is a chance. <laughs> so, you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm pushing on that. They're going to most likely be the three seed, maybe second seed. Gotcha. Well, circling back to Debo Samuel, I am curious since he's probably not going to be playing. Who's going to be replacing him? And how does that impact the running game as well? Uh, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, more Christian McCaffrey. He's just every game that Debo has been out, that's been pivotal for them. Although not like the Raiders game is going to be pivotal, but like the two games that Debo was out for, the Rams game where the Niners needed to win. Otherwise, they were going to suffer to be a losing record going into the bye. He exploded. He threw for a touchdown. He caught a touchdown. He ran it for a touchdown. And then against Seattle, he pretty much like carried the offense again to a degree. Um, he didn't do too much against Washington. They actually managed him well. I think Kyle Shanahan realizes, hey, we're finally locked up a high seed. No need to like, you know, kill him. <laughs> Jeez, that's pretty much what he was doing for those two games. But now I think he's pretty much going to – I think now we're going to see is still more him as, a, as the focal point of the offense. But I think it's going to get spread around more because I think the Raiders have a more susceptible defense. They're probably going to be one of the more weaker defenses the Niners have played in recent memory. Um, so I think now they're going to be able to – property might be able to actually sling it against them where Brandon Ayuk is an amazing corner. He's, he's brought running is phenomenal. I think you're going to see more touches from him. Kittle's been on a tear. So I think it's going to be pretty much that three handed monster. And then from there, you just sprinkle in some of the other role players, like a Kyle, you check out of the backfield or Juwan Jennings. And even Raymond McLeod, another special, another gadget player that they have, who's been turning it up a notch. So they have a lot of players that could just fill in, but I think that's pretty much going to be the three headed, Three-headed monster of IU Kittle and a uh, McCaffrey, and then for the Raiders, just pray they don't score more than twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, that, at the end of the day, that is uh this is gonna be the magic number, but I, I don't know. We'll see if they can keep <laughs> them off the board. But I love that, like, I love that, like, we you can just tell we like know each other because the three guys, the first three guys you mentioned were the three guys I was gonna ask you about: McCaffrey, yeah, uh, AU can AU can Kittle, of course. So I'm curious, starting with that, you can you kind of talk about his growth from his time as a rookie? Because from what I remember back then, he was in the doghouse, and now he's kind of become their number one receiver out there. Bye. Yeah, his, his rookie year, he was good. In the second year, he started the doghouse because there was – he was kind of <laughs> – to use the same word, he was kind of dogging it at a practice. Like, he was kind of being a little lazy, I yeah, guess, sure. whatever, whatever the case may be. But they saw him jogging and not going full speed. And Shannon doesn't like that. And Shannon has a very, very – very low, uh, small patience for rookies. He kind of almost like hates young guys or he loves to give them the rough guy treatment like old school coach does. And he survived it. He survived it and it made him made it better and better. I was, I, you know, I criticized Shannon for it, but it looks like it paid off because he turned it up the second half of last season and he's been doing great this season. I mean, he was their best player by far in training camp. And then he carried into this season, was playing well with Trey, playing well with Jimmy. It's got tapered off a little bit with Brock. I mean, in terms of, the last like four to five games and Jimmy was starting in like one or two of them, but his protection hasn't been high, but his impact is still there because he's making a few catches. A lot of them are for huge, like chain moving plays or for scores. So he's still a baller. I can see this being a game where they just break out knowing that they don't have Raiders don't have a corner that can really just match up with him because he can play inside and out and Shanahan gets him in motion, gets him on double moves, triple moves. And then he knows Purdy's going to fire it. And I mean, we're going to do pay attention to Ayuk or Kittle. So, <laughs> so Ayuk's growth this year, he's been great. Um, it's actually funny because my editor thought he was, he was, he deserved to be a Pro Bowl alternate in terms of he was a top eight receiver, which I agree. But I think the last several weeks with this production going down, I, you know, you know, how Pro Bowl is if it's if the production is not supportive, we're not going to push you in. So he, I'll say this he's been a better offensive weapon this year than Debo Samuel. And that's because Debo's really been 
you know, he came into the training camp late, kind of a little chunky. Um, he's out of shape because of all the contract talks. And then he's had multiple quarterbacks to try to like adjust with where Ayuk's just been consistent. He's been there from day one balling. And he, he's ultimately has been the better, you know, in terms of true wide receiver, maybe even overall offensive op- impact. So you also mentioned George Kittle's kind of resurgence in the last couple of weeks where it seems like he's kind of almost throughout the season, just judging off his stat lines, just kind of rode the wave going up and down, being productive and unproductive. So what's been the biggest difference between Kittle and Kittle having a, a big performance and having a, a less than notable one? He has a quarterback who will throw it to him. <laughs> That's literally okay. the difference. He has a quarterback that will throw it to him. It's because uh, to me, it was always like, look, Kyle, you can't like just all, everyone always says Niners have all these weapons, all these weapons. And then I remember there was a stretch where, well, <laughs> you, had, you had like other people in the media or even fans saying like, well, you know, teams are taking away Kittle, Debo. And it's like, no, no, no. Defenses are not taking away all of these weapons. It's impossible. They're taking away IU, Debo and Kittle all at the same time. Either the quarterback's not targeting him or the coach isn't finding plays to scheme them open or utilizing him, or he's not telling or he's not getting the quarterback's ear to throw him the ball. <laughs> so to me, that's just always like you're coaching and allowing it. Now with Purdy, it's it's no it's no it's no shocking now that he's I mean, uh, George is still seeing the same type of usage, and all of a sudden he's just getting thrown to. He's just getting thrown to, and it's it's the difference between Purdy and Garoppolo, which is kind of crazy because Garoppolo and Kittle are best friends, and Purdy's over there like, hey, he, I always saw him wide open, so let me just go chuck it to him, and I know he's gonna he's gonna do damage with the ball in his hands or just be in the end zone. So it, it, it to me, it's just as, as simple as that as getting it's getting targeted. It's, it goes back to the point of where you know Jimmy wasn't seeing everything on the field. He never has. He never will. Um, it, it's just been a struggle for him. And where Purdy is like, he sees everything, and more importantly. He's not afraid to shoot it. So Kittle's benefited from that. Ayuk's still pretty much consistent and sustained that level, although even more so because he's getting more shots down the field. Um, it, it's just worked out for the best, surprisingly. Gotcha. So the last question I had about the offensive weapons before we move on to the O-line here is with the Shanahan system, even going back to Mike Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan's dad, there's always been this narrative that running backs are just plug and play in, the, in that uh, wide zone uh, scheme. But obviously – the rate of the Niners made the trade for C-Mac. So I'm curious, has he produced to a level where it's justified the trade and that he has kind of been more irreplaceable than some of the other guys that we've seen in San Francisco? Oh, yeah, they're undefeated with him in there. And their offense is elevated, uh, like, stupendously. Although I wouldn't give a 1,000% of the credit to him. He, he's definitely, he, to me, every time, I've had this question multiple times in other um, uh, uh, 49ers content creator shows where like, who do you think the uh, MVP is of the offense or the D- whatever? And I, I'm like, you know, it's kind of hard not to say McCaffrey because in terms of, you know, he's making the production, uh, he's he's putting up the numbers when both running and receiving, and just the impact he's doing by freeing up everyone else. Um, in terms of like, you know, the the receiving because even if you put him out there, you know, he, people are gonna watch him. They're going to watch him and it's going to lighten up the blood for either other players who's going to run like Jordan Mason is another running back who's good, who probably should get more more of the ball, though. I think last game he sustained an injury and got kind of kept out. Um, But, yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much they got him just because they just needed more. They just needed more high level production and they were just fingers crossed, hoping that they can keep a good stable of backs because last year they they I think like seven running backs went down. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I think it literally seven running backs went down. It was crazy. And I mean, (laughs) Elijah Mitchell was one of them. And look again, he he came back in his, one of his first couple starts and he got injured again, which he should be expected to come back in the next few weeks. So it's just crazy. It's it's, kind of crazy that 
in a, in a, in a team that's always injured in a, in a running back room, that's always injured. McCaffrey has been the one that's been upright, which is crazy <laughs> considering his, uh, his history. So no, yeah, it's been more than, it's been more than good, especially when you consider that he he's under contract past this year as well. Um, his, you know, his, his, his level, his, uh, number is going to go down lower and, you know, <laughs> like the Ram says about those picks, you know, it, it's, it's kind of true for this case. That was the Niners yeah. best impression. And it's paying off. So up front, I think I have my answer to this question, but Tread Williams is obviously the headliner. But is there any signs of him slowing down at 34 years old, or is he still the the, the beast that we've been seeing? Uh, I, yeah, he's still the beast you've been seeing. Um, although I, I I do see a little slight, a little bit drop off from what I've seen like when he first got here. But no, he's still like a premier offensive tackle. Um, I don't think he's gonna be like really like start being like downhill for like until maybe next season or in two years. Um, so right now he's like, <laughs> don't put Max Crosby on that side. If you're the Raiders, do not put him on that side. You're wasting your reps and the Niners will take that as a win. If you're them, put Chandler Jones on that side, a less efficient, a less, a less uh, dominant pass rusher and put Max Crosby on the, you know, the walking stick offensive lineman, Mike McGlinchey, because that guy has a turnstile <laughs> over there. Although, no, he's been playing, he's been pretty solid the last several games, but he's, he's always due for at least one penalty or two per game. And Max will probably draw like a good you know, hands to the face or holding call. And then, you know, I think, I think you can work him there. So no, Trent Williams is anchor. Don't bother with him there. Just, just go, go to the right side of the Niners offensive line at right tackle with McGlinchey. Don't even bother with Williams. Yeah. Well, Chandler Jones, uh, probably not going to play for the rest of the season. He hurt his elbow in the Steelers game. So it could oh, be uh, Malcolm right. Coons versus Trent Williams. And Coons has played like 50 plays all year. So a lot of, uh, <laughs> that, that one my favorite uh, Williams, although, Big opportunity for Coons to make a name for himself. We can get w- just one win, just one. But yeah, I did want to ask you about the right side and Mike McGlinchey. I know he's struggled in the past, but has he been playing better this year. I know you mentioned the penalties. I think when I looked it up, I think he le- leads left tackle or offensive tackles with like 10 on the year. Yeah, so penalties number one. That's definitely his where he's bad at. He's he I, honestly, I think he's good for like I said, he's honestly good for at least one per game, sometimes two. It's always crazy. So he's always good for those for those drive for those drive killing penalties. Um, that can stall out. Um, so that's why I think you're good with if you put Crosby in there, you know, Graham Smart, just overload that side to confuse him because there's been so many times where that right side has gotten confused, whether he's put Kittle there, whether they put Yusek there to help out. They've, they've, they have been prone to be confused with so many assignments if you just overload them. I'm surprised no one's really done that yet uh, or too often. So do that. Um, McClinchy, though, yeah, the last several weeks has been more polished up, buttoned up as a pass pro, but I think he's still susceptible. If you're putting Crosby there, it's obviously Crosby's, the, you know, right. the, gonna win um it's just you know and you know mcginsley isn't even that bad even when i like to be exaggerated about it it's just because he's so easy to pick on um <laughs> it, it but ultimately uh, to me it's like look he has majority vast majority of his pass reps are good it's just when he does allow pressure or a sack it always comes on the on the impactful plays gotcha. like a third down or a red zone play so it's like so when people try to say look he's he's playing better and you guys are giving him credit for it. it's like yeah well you know when you kind of fail to yeah. live up to the standard of the play, that's where you really need you to come through and you slip up almost all the time on those plays, you know, those plays, just those couple of impactful of those impact plays way heavier than, you know, a second and eight than when you're letting up a pressure or something like that. So that's, that's where I think he's more prone to on critical, on critical downs. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And speaking to your point, when I was doing some research for this, I saw he only given up like something like PFFs only credited him with like 22 pressures, which is not bad at all. But five of them are sacks, which is an extremely high rate. Yeah. Normally that's, that's like with like 40 pressures or something like that. So when he gets beat, he makes it count. It's the home run pretty much yeah. for the pass rusher. And plus, I think most of those pressures most likely came from um, past the last two or three games. The last two or three gotcha. games, he's really been buttoned up. So I think like maybe like 18, 17 of those pressures have came from like the from like week, the week, the week 12 and behind. So he's been more buttoned up, which is good. And he has been playing with broken ribs. Okay, so you got to give him some credit about that. He's been it's kind of tough to play on. So you kind of get a little bit of a. A little bit of a curved grade, but the, still, if you're out there and you're playing, you know, we, you know, yeah. no, no one would have cried about, I wouldn't have cried about, you know, if um, Brock Purdy was playing bad with bad obliques against, against the Seahawks and that dude was still slinging it. I mean, he was taking shots. I mean, we can't make exceptions for them all. He's out there. Definitely for sure. Shifting the other side of the ball. We've got to start with the deep boy favorite, Nick Bosa. Has he stepped his game up a notch this season or is that just fun? Or is he just finally healthy? Yeah, he's he's a he's freaking god right now. He's like he's like Hercules. It's crazy. Yeah, he's definitely stepping up. It's crazy how how much better he can keep getting. He's just he's just too dominant. I remember last year, what was it like? He led the league. I don't, maybe it was a PFF stat where he led the league for a double a double teamed rate, and he still was able to accumulate like 14, 15 sacks and a half. So the fact that teams are like literally saying like we're trying to take you out of the game, but we're failing, and he's still dominating. I don't, I don't know where that stat is now. But still, you know, you have 17, 17 and a half sacks in the year. You're no slouch. You know, you're kind of a, you're kind of a baller <laughs> just yeah. a little bit. He's, he's a foregone conclusion for all pro and maybe even defensive player of the year. Um, so with him, it's like it doesn't matter where you're going to stick him. He usually lines up over the left tackle, which for your Raiders, you're, you're thinking, hope, I hope to God. But <laughs> but the mm-hmm. Niners, D'Amico Ryan does flip him over. Defensive coordinator of the, of the Niners does flip him over to the right side a handful of times in the game. And he might see that and be like. Yeah, let's go test out that right tackle that they that their ace starting right tackle over there, and let's see if Derek's gonna crumble. But they might just say, "No, we're better off doing it on his blind side," because you know there hasn't been a tackle in this game that's really slowed down this slow down Nick Bosa, and I doubt Colton Miller, as decent as he is, is, is gonna do too much. Yeah, I mean Colton Miller's been playing pretty well this season, last season too. I I think to me he's kind of been one of the biggest Pro Bowl snubs uh, um, of this off of this uh this last couple of weeks over here, but. I am curious about that matchup with Luminor because Luminor, for all of his faults, and I know he's not doesn't have the, the name recognition, he's actually held up against like guys like TJ Watt, Judon, Uche the last few weeks, did pretty well against Khalil Mack too. So but then again, Nick Bosa is gonna be on another level. So it'll be a be a big test for him. But that we'll defensive see. line, they do a lot of stunts, they do a lot of yeah. shifts, they do they 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 do a lot of like baseball type of trickery where they get the curb, they have multiple ways to attack. So when Bosa's not just winning one-on-one, a lot of his sacks come from stunts. Or doing some other thing where the, it's it's crazy, or it's just crazy the way they have so many different ways to attack as a whole collective unit, and they're all in synchronization, almost like a ballet. It's crazy. Gotcha. 
I'm also curious about Eric Armstead. I know he was injured in the beginning of the year, but how has he looked in the last, I think, about a month or so that he's been back? Yeah, dude's like a walking bulldozer. It's it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy how efficient he's playing, how impactful he's playing after coming back when he's pretty much had two bad feet. One of them was broken. The other one, Liz Frank. Um, uh, was it a list Frank or am I, no, no plantar fasciitis, excuse me, which is, you know, pr- pretty much still in the same ballpark. Um, you know, and, and tell me why, when I hear, when I hear, every time I hear that, I always think of Darren McFadden, but that's list Frank though. Right. <laughs> so like, yeah. I'm always thinking like, Hey, you know, <laughs> we're a lot of us fo- football fans, you know, or even sports fans. We know when we hear list Frank plantar fasciitis, that's those things linger. Yeah. You know, we're not doctors, but we all see multiple athletes go through that and that doesn't go away. So I'm pretty sure he's might still be dealing with that. But even still, whatever it is, he's dude. That guy just takes on double teams. He, he's literally like a magnet that just that just attracts offensive linemen, and he frees it up for so many other people. And then he can make his own pack. You know, the sacks might not be there, and I don't even know if the pressure rates are there. But what he does in both run and pass rush, you know, you cannot trade that for the world. He's so dominant in both facets of the game, where it's like you just can't let him. You just can't take him out. Which you know, I know they do take him out because he needs to. You know, it's better to keep him for fresh. And now overwork him to get injured again. But yeah, he's been he's been a force in the middle. And then they got Javon Kinlaw back. Um, I didn't, I couldn't really key in on too much how much he did in the in the in the interior coming back, which you know he also was two on the snap count. But man, you got those two walking behemoths in the middle. They're they're so hard to move. Um, and Eric Harmson especially is more explosive and faster, so he can penetrate quicker. Where Kinlaw, you, you're not going to move him. <laughs> you're not going to move him. He's just going to stand there. He, he might not pass you, but you're not going to move him. So. Yeah, just that whole slate of lineup between those three guys, and you know, but ultimately, yeah, Armstead bringing back honestly has made has ascended even Bosa more because it's it's another guy who they got to worry about because of the, the way they do stunts more beautifully, and he just frees more up because you know it's like, hey, I'm a, I'm gonna double team Bosa, but you know, you know, Armstead is a good play wrecker. You know, he might not get the sack, but he's a good play wrecker. I will, he's always been violent ever since 2019 when I first watched him. It's like, God, this guy's violent, it just takes it all yeah. on. So he's. He, it's going to be tough for the Raiders to stop all these guys. It's, it's the reason why they always have that. I think they're one of the more, are they leading sacks? They're definitely in top three, top three sack getters in the league. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you about Javon Kinlaw. So I'm glad you brought him up because I'll be honest. All, the only thing I know about him this uh, from this season is that he's getting into it with your, your boss over <laughs> Cone in the, in the off season. So uh, outside of uh, that little spat, how has he uh, looked so far this season? Uh, yeah, the first four games, was it four? Whatever many games. When he played in the season, he looked solid. He's playing good in his like 20, 25 reps per game. Um, probably a little more than that. But yeah, he, he looks solid. Uh, he looked like he was getting a little better each week. But yeah, it's just it's it, every time he gets like his, his feet under him, it looks like he's getting traction towards finally developing. The, you know, his degenerate knee, whatever it is, arthritis that's in there that they call it. I don't even know what it is. It's just it's, it's just pretty much it's an injured knee whatever it is. And it's something I, I, I'm not even sure it's ever fully healed. It might return. So you always got to wonder about that. But when he is finally picking up ahead of steam, which he'll probably play a little better this week, because he's always a guy where every, once he pulls together a couple of games, he starts, he starts riding on a good momentum. So like I said, he's a guy where who's a great, who's a great run defender. The pass pass rush isn't there yet. Um, mm-hmm. He has, he's had moments. But the thing is, like I said, he's just hard to move. And when he's coming downhill, especially, and you're already an offensive lineman that's going to take a few kick steps back to try to, like, absorb that contact, he's just powerful. He's just so powerful, which, you know, he at the, he's like the perfect – he's like the perfect defensive lineman to go against to throw a screen at, really, because he's going to he's gonna get beat, which I know Josh might do that for the Raiders. But 
I, I think ultimately, yeah, he's just he's just so powerful. He's so big. He's like easily like a top five, probably top eight biggest defensive lineman in the league. I think he's just he, it's just more so his strength is, is run defense for sure. Where I know if Josh Jacobs is going to run through, he might. I know Josh Jacobs is a bruiser, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. shock me if Kinlaw just put an arm in there and just slowed him up long enough and just stalled him out. That's one I'm going to be interesting to see, like how that defensive line did against the running game, which it's really going to be the only chance the Raiders have because the Niners actually surprisingly the Niners weakness is run defense. Um, but with Kinlaw and Armstead back, it's, it's definitely gotten proved, but the, it, it'll be a good time to try to test them. See if Kinlaw's feet's under them. Cause even I'm still curious to see what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. So I don't want to spend too much time on linebacker. Cause I think people know about um, <laughs> the Fred Warner and Dre Grenlaw pretty well, but right now, yeah. But I want. I was curious if you could compare those two to another linebacker combo that we've seen in recent years, Patrick Willis and Novaro Bowman, and if you think how you think those guys stack up against those two, and if you take one one grouping over the other. Uh, I think I still take Willis and Bowman because Greenlaw's barely doing it this year, but maybe in like the next year or two, that's when for sure they'll be neck and neck if they both sustain it and even especially get better. Um, just, you know, Bowman and Willis, they were just, they were just elite at everything. They both could blitz, run defense and everything where Kinlaw, Kinlaw still has, both of them still have the same, that same 2010, like we're going to, you know, you know, knock the soul out of you with our hits and they're pretty much just as fast, maybe faster. Um, but they're, they're not as, they're not as strong run defenders. Um, they're both, they're all good, uh, efficient blitzers, but I'm going to still take, it's just Willis and Bowman just did it all, especially Willis. Yeah. Greenlaw, Greenlaw there though, uh, another Pro Bowl snub. It's crazy. It's just, it's just more so he sometimes on occasions, he was more prone to an earlier season and even years past where he'll just break discipline and get a little too over aggressive or rather than him staying up high five yards behind in his hook zone, he wants to shoot it too early. And it's like, well, now you just gave up them a crease of the, of the quarterback to like get behind you to throw. Um, but right now though, he's playing easily probably better than Fred Warner. I don't think so, but you could argue that. And I wouldn't blame you. Um, but yeah, they're both just playing tremendous. Uh, they're, they're, they're not on the same level, but they're definitely both on the same playing field in terms of they're, they're getting close. Gotcha. Gotcha. We'll start to wrap up here with the defensive backs. And I'd love if you could shed some light on Talanoga Hufunga's uh, development over the last two years. Yeah. Hufunga, man. I, that's another, talk about another guy who I shorted. Well, I wouldn't say I shorted. I wouldn't say I, I, I okay. I doubted him, but I wouldn't say it was impossible for him to be good, but I didn't know about pro bowl or good. This, Cause last year, his issue was, and it still kind of is, is his eyes. He has bad discipline in terms of, you know, staying home in his coverage. Um, and especially cause he's slow, he's not fast at all. I mean, he, in terms of, in terms of relatively, you know, football players, he's fast. Um, but he, he definitely could be had if you have someone who's fast enough. Um, maybe like he'll, he'll struggle to cover like a Matt Collins or something like that. But yeah, he's, he, it was always something he was always getting beat. And he still does. He's done that like several times in the last like few weeks, which is kind of crazy. He's kind of like, you know, dropping the ball a little bit and kind of kind of need to shore that up with the playoffs on the way. But that's where the Raiders could really have him. But really, it's crazy how he's made up for it is his play recognition. The one thing I always said, like the way he's going to make up for his speed is he needs to recognize the play quick enough and his awareness, because if you know what's going and you can read it like in a, in a lightning fast, it doesn't matter how slow you are. You can get there early enough to make the play. And that's what he's been doing every single time. That's why he's had like, he has four picks, maybe five right now. He has four, four picks right now. And that's the most the Niners have had in safety in like so long. I can't even, I don't even remember the stat because no, no, safety has done that in so long, 
But the guy who he replaced, Jaquaski Tart, never had a, had no more than one turnover in the last like five years. He was with the Raiders. I mean, the Niners. So the fact that Hufunga is doing that is absurd. The guy just does everything. He can play up in the box. He can blitz. He can play single high. Um, and single high is still where he's most susceptible at. But he's so more. He's better sound there. He's better sound there. Um, I think that's I think that's the one thing where if the Raiders are gonna pass when they get in that single high look, is that's when you're gonna have to test test him and see where he's really at if you're Derek and shot throw it um but yeah Funga man it's just been I'm surprised he was a pro bowler because usually not saying he wasn't deserving he was ca- he was caliber but usually he's kind of was like not a popularized name usually those names don't make the pro bowls so the fact that right. he made it yeah. because it wasn't from the fan vote the fact that he made it from his peers and his coaches that says a lot so man he he definitely is a top five safety in this league right now yeah shit. The other DB I wanted to ask you about was Tarverius Ward, who was brought over from Kansas City. So I'm curious, what have you seen from him in San Francisco this this past year? I, I think, honestly, he's been the huge X factor in why this defense is elevated. Because last year, because honestly, the difference between the defense last year and this year is the cornerback play. They only had one decent corner last year in Emmanuel Mosley. And the other side, they were trotting out freaking Josh Norman for most of the games. And so they finally <laughs> decided to throw in a rookie who didn't play half bad. But now with Ward, who was even a better version of Mosley last year, it's just, man, he, he's not locked down by any means, not locked down corner. But but he's, I would say, I would give him as, as much credit as semi-locked down, where he will make it, uh, where receivers, receivers route running extremely difficult for most of the game. And it's it's enough. It's enough for the, it's enough for the, uh, the Niners to have, considering their pass risk gets there within seconds. He's just been he's just been a difference maker to me in terms of what they can do. Um, and then the opposite side too, the other corner, Diamondor Laura out of Oregon, he's stepped up. It's been crazy to see. So, but yeah, ultimately with Ward, just to give him that guy who can like they can actually put someone on number one. And it was crazy because I remember the Seahawks game. I actually saw Demuco Ryan's give him the assignment Ward of shadowing Metcalf for that game, and I was like, I just don't do this. So the fact that they did that was saying a lot. And I think Metcalf did nothing that game on Ward. And matter of fact, I think he got under Ward got under Metcalf's skin. I think mm-hmm. Metcalf had a had a penalty or two. So yeah, I think I mean <laughs> I hope Ward goes on Adams. I think I'm gonna give Adams the, the huge <laughs> edge on that one because no one can guard Adams. But yeah. I think Ward, though, that's the guy who they really want to task him with because he's just been a, a huge different maker in terms of what they do everywhere, whether it's pass rush, you know, the opposite side corner and their safety. It's just been it's just it's just been a huge, a huge gain, especially since he doesn't get get penalties which is something that the Niners had. I think the Niners led the league in DPIs last year. This year, I think they're far <laughs> bottom. Gotcha. Well, Jose, thank you again for coming on, man. It's been a blast. It's been awesome getting back on the mics with you. Real quick before you go, where can people find your work, man? Uh, you guys can find me in multiple spots, but on Twitter, it's at FN. And then you can always look at us up on Sports Illustrated Fan Nation for 49ers. I'll have a bunch of coverage over there so you guys can get more in tune for the team that the Raiders are about to face and hopefully upset for y'all. <laughs> awesome, guys. Make sure to go follow Jose. You guys know where to find me on Twitter, at mholder95. Follow Silver and Black Pride. Other than that, until next time.